running a business is, is very difficult, but right. getting into a restaurant, it's even more difficult. So sure. what is your specific restaurant brand? What is that cost based upon how you're pricing your menu items and diving into all the details of each restaurant? Having those plans, creating the, the action plan absolutely will be a key differentiator. You start the marketing the right way and you build your name, not just your restaurant name, but you build your name in the community the likelihood of success is much higher. Running a business is very hard, but running a restaurant is even harder. So That's today sure. we're going to talk about the, the topics that you need to be successful. We're going to drill down into the numbers, the metrics, uh, and the financials of the restaurants today and hopefully uh, you'll get a lot of uh, valuable knowledge that you can start paying attention to today. So we are again honored to have Kendall Ware with us. He has ran six different brands across three different industries. Lastly, the president of Cenobon. So today's topic is right up his alley. He has done small, uh, smaller brands to, again, global brands with a couple of thousand locations. And I think last I heard was about two and a half billion dollars in revenue a year. So uh, without further ado, let's get started. So Kendall, awesome. we want to drill down on, on the, uh, how, do we, how do we become a successful restaurant? What are the steps? What are the... Uh, we want to drill down into the financials and first understand that. Yeah. So that way we don't get into a thin margin situation right. where we open the restaurant and it's like, well, it has thin margins. Right. So the first thing I want to uh, touch base on is having a plan, getting a plan together, writing down the goals, getting the vision, making sure that you crunch the numbers before you even sign the lease. Right. Right. Is this restaurant going to have enough revenue to justify the cost or right. is it going to put us again in that thin margin category where we just want to put a stop to it and, and not go any further so right, right. when you were opening you know you opened locations globally in, mm -hmm. in dubai and in, in south america obviously right. here in the us uh, what were what were the metrics you guys were looking at and how were you guys picking and choosing what where to open where not to open yeah yeah so it depends upon who we're talking to right if you are a a let's just say a restaurant operator opening up your own concept it's going to be more of a risk you're going to have less data to help inform you but you need to do a pro forma you have to have a business plan you have to get to know the area and similar like restaurant concepts to yours and gather as much insight as you possibly can just to get a directional feel and understanding right understanding the traffic counts of whatever center you chose or whatever area you chose to develop in now when you're on the franchise side you have a lot more data Right. You have access to what type of real estate model works for our brand. You have track records, a lot of, lot of history. Um, but to the average person opening up a restaurant, you just have to run the numbers yourself based upon whatever you do have access to. Um, but understand it's going to take time. Whatever number you come up with, it's going to take time to get there. Sure. Uh, but if, if you, know, you set your business up right, and you start the marketing the right way, and you build your name, not just your restaurant name, but you build your name in the community, the likelihood of success is much higher. Of course. Right? Yeah. But when I look at this, you know, the first thing I always focus on is having great people. No matter what, the foundation of any business is having great people. And those people have to align with whatever your culture is. Right? They have to be culturally aligned people with your business or otherwise, most likely it'll be a short term relationship. Right. Absolutely. And that's just more and more churn and more and more complexities in the beginning of opening up a restaurant. So having that foundation of great people, 
and then diving into the operational excellence. What is that service? What are the food costs and recipes? You know, what is your overall restaurant readiness program? What are the things that you know you need to do to operate your restaurant well? And once you've achieved all that, that's when you got to start honing in on those financial fundamentals of actually owning and operating a business. Absolutely. Actually, it's funny because normally I say, you know, we don't want to mention brands and everything, but I'll, I'll make an exception this one time. We have a customer, Easy's Brick Oven Pizza, and I was talking to him and he's like, yeah, we have two locations. Here's what we're doing. Here's our like average unit volume, etc. Here's the plan moving mm -hmm. forward. And I was amazed at how well he had established and he had gone beyond where I think any restaurant owner would. And what he said that really caught my attention, he said, look, we're, our labor cost is through the roof because I've hired a third manager yeah. because we're opening another location right. and I'm taking the chance now, I've hired this person, I'm gonna have him work here, so my labor is gonna mm -hmm. be through the roof. So he's, he's, to a typical restaurant owner, that'd be an expense, right? I don't right. need to do that, I'll just take my, well, what he said is, absolutely, it's an investment, but he said, I don't want to take my best guys from these two locations, mm -hmm. move it to the new location, and now the existing locations are suffering. Right, right. So what he decided to do is get the manager in this location, get him started. Yes, it's going to cost him money, but it's it has a return on investment because right. it ensures that the next location will mm -hmm. be successful sure. and he doesn't have to move a manager, a top performing manager from a successful location right. to a brand new location where there's such a high risk. Yeah, he's building a bench. Right? Absolutely. Yep. So yep. I think, Smart. again, looking at having those plans, creating the, the action plan absolutely yep. would be a key differentiator between success and failure. Right. And, and a lot of times where people fail is they open their doors and the first thing they focus on is how to save money. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? Like, so cut cut this person, cut that person. Yeah. Hey, you know, stop serving that item. Like they start finding ways to cut or to save money because they're so nervous, which I understand. You just invested however many hundreds of thousands of dollars into yeah. this business. So yes, of course, you're going to want to be cutting labor and you're going to be figuring out ways to save money. But in the beginning, it's all about finding your brand, right? It's about sure. finding how to operate this restaurant. It's getting your people used to operating this restaurant. And it's consistent training on all the products and services that you provide. But if you cut that in the beginning to save money, you're not going to even be able to get to what really matters, which is how you drive long-term value of this restaurant. Well, you set yourself up for failure because yeah. now the customer comes in and now you got to you know, share another story. We had a restaurant that opened and uh, we had our waitlist reservation in there and then they had forgotten to block it. So some lady came in, made a post yeah. and they didn't know, but she had like 500,000 followers and they got overwhelmed. Yeah. So now if you cut costs down, thank you so much. And if you've cut costs down, now you don't have enough labor. Right. So how right. do you deal with that? And then that, that translates into negative feedback online. Right. So then spreads. at that stage, you're done. You know, you've got mm -hmm. 50 ratings and half of them are two, three stars because right. you couldn't keep up because you were trying to save money. Good luck. I mean, that, those negative reviews are not going to go away and you're going to have to get so many more positive reviews. Mm -hmm. It's going to take you years to recover from that. Right, right. But, you know, once you've mastered the people and operations side of the business, that's when you can hone in more on the financials, right? And you can take that deeper dive. You can really understand what it takes to operate your business. Um, and how to sustain it in the long term, right? Sure. Uh, and that's before you go out and start really marketing and telling the world about your brand. Thank you. Because if you do that, if you go out and focus on marketing, let's say first, and I'm not talking about like pre-opening where you're doing the basics of marketing. I sure. mean like truly getting out there and telling the masses that you're open and ready for them. 
the question is, are you? <laughs> are yeah. you really ready for them? Do you understand everything within the four walls of your business to where you truly are confident enough to tell your entire community? And so I look at the order as being the most fundamental thing of doing of operating a restaurant business is ensuring you have the people, the operations, and then you've honed in on your financials. Once you're ready, then that's when you go tell the world about your brand. Absolutely. So I think we've, uh, so guys, just have a plan together. Make sure that you, you understand the metrics, make sure that your restaurant, the numbers make sense, make sure you have the right staff in there and make sure you do what? easiest brick oven did is they overstaffed an existing one so that they could move a qualified manager to manage a restaurant people are going into a restaurant they they expect certain things mm -hmm. the food's got to be good if the food is not good then right. they're not going to come back right. right right if the service is if the food is amazing but the service is horrible then again they're not going to come back so right. those two i think that's what makes a restaurant business really difficult mm -hmm. because you could sell an iphone and every single one will be exactly identical that's right but if i go to location one of some steakhouse and i mm -hmm. order medium and i go to another one and i order medium the other one may come out medium rare or right. may come right. out medium well right. yeah so it's difficult to get it right so it's important to train and it's important to mm -hmm. invest that resources before you open that restaurant and do those trainings. And it's the repetition, right? Apple can produce a new iPhone consistently every single time. That's right. Because they know what they're doing now. Correct. Right. The first one was a little choppy back in 2007. Right. There was a lot of issues, but it's yeah, also it actually didn't even do picture messaging. Yeah, at the time. right. Nothing. Right. So it, but we thought that was the hottest thing ever. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but if you look at the restaurant, same thing. The other mistake I see people make when they first open a restaurant is they do go after that marketing aspect or they, they jump to that grand opening event very quickly. And next thing you know, you had this awesome day of sales because yeah. you told everybody about it, but there was no residual. Yeah, There was no they return didn't come back, yeah. because you, you scared off majority of those consumers because you were not ready. The repetition was not built. And so that's why I'm, I'm, I stay focused on making sure you have the right people in the place who know how to execute the operations and you understand the financials that make your business operate that is when you're ready to bring more people in and then you can handle the volume that you're going to receive when you tell the public that you're ready for them absolutely and again it's a return on investment running a restaurant this is our next topic that we want to top, uh, jump in is running a restaurant is like running a business so you need to treat it like running a business yeah right yeah. it's not yes you're serving food but it's a business that happens to be serving food and, right. and needs to be good at food quality and customer service and, mm -hmm. and 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 but again it's running a business yeah so let's drill down into kind of i think you know i've talked to some restaurant owners that unfortunately they they haven't educated themselves and they don't understand some of the numbers so yeah i think a couple of things uh, you know you've got some stories that i'm sure, sure you've ran across or you've <laughs> ran you've dealt with so many different brands so many yeah. different franchisee groups so many different people etc managers right. what what was your take like were they you feel like they had a good grasp on the financials? So honestly, in a lot of cases, no. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just when I look at all the different brands I've led and the various franchisees across that or, or people that join the support team, usually if I were to summarize where I had to put most of my time and effort or let's call it development time into was around business acumen. Now, the, the positive side of, of most restaurant operators is they have a passion uh -huh. that you don't find anywhere else. Absolutely. Right. So restaurants has a passionate group of people. Um, 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're skilled at how to run a business. Some sure. people get into the restaurant industry and own a restaurant because they love restaurants. They may not necessarily love <clears throat> business or understand the full aspects of business. And I've always put it all myself as a franchisor, as a leader to find more ways to educate more people because end of the day, you don't know what you don't know. That's not necessarily that person's fault. But when I look back, there's been so many times where some of the, what I would say the most perfectly matched franchisees or restaurant managers have been a part of my brands in the past that were the best of the best. But when you started diving into the financials, we started having those conversations about business plans, food costs, inventory, that's where the hangup always was. I got you. Right? In terms of not understanding what that is, asking questions like how do I calculate food costs or a room full of 40 people doing an onboarding session and half of the room raises their hand uh, when we ask who does not know what a P&L is. People hear P&L like, what does that mean? Yeah. And what is a profit and loss, right? It, it's, and again, it's not to, to make fun of those people. It's just saying that it's not common knowledge. Sure. Although if you're in this industry, if you are in business, you assume, oh, that's common knowledge. How do sure. you not know that? But we all got to take a step back and realize that it, if you're coming into the business, if you're coming into the restaurant industry, you may not have those skills. You definitely didn't learn them in high school. Absolutely. I didn't learn them in high school. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't even Actually, make it I to college. I was thinking just I, now, you yeah. know, <laughs> when I started my first company and nobody came in and said, hey, this is what a PL is. This is what a balance right. sheet is. Right. This is what, you know, gross profit, top line revenue, net margins, da, da, yeah. da, da, da. Yeah. This is what a markup is. Nobody right. explained any of that. No, and that's why I never went to college because I was not ever feeling like I was actually learning in high school. And that's not necessarily the school system's fault. That's just me. I wasn't interested in what sure. school had to offer. But the moment I got my first gig and I was 19 years old opening up new restaurants and learning about all these financial, I got... Like I was, I was excited, sure. I was interested. So yep. I wanted to put all my time into running restaurants and that's what I did. And that, that's where, I think that piggybacks on that passionate right. part. I you was know? passionate, They're but passionate. I didn't know anything. Yep. <laughs> They're passionate about running the restaurant, yeah. but running a business, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a kind of different ball game because you gotta run a business ultimately. Right. You're there to make money. You're not a, you know, I, mm -hmm. I always say, look, we're not a nonprofit organization. We yeah. too have to make money. Right. So. right, so in every brand so far that I've led, and that's six, I've all, I always asked a question to franchisees and every single brand always had at least one franchisee. When I would ask the question, how do you know if you're successful or not? The answer was, I'm, I always make sure there's money in my bank account. As long as there's still money. money in my bank account, <laughs> yeah. I know I'm okay. And that's not true. That's and it, not it's, true. It's so scary because that's how a lot of people measure their business. If I wake up and there's a positive account balance, I'm okay. Yeah. But how higher could that balance be? Sure. Where could you optimize? Where, you, where could you save? Where could you raise revenue? What could you do to drive more of that income? But a lot of times people just are okay with that simple, I guess, satisfaction of, yeah, there's money in the account. Sure. Yeah, I agree. Let's kind of drill down a little bit. I think the, the two metrics that are really important in running a day-to-day -day business, i.e. now a restaurant, we want to kind of touch base on fixed expenses and operating expenses. What are the differences? What are some of the fixed expenses? What are some of the operating expenses and how to optimize in that? So yeah. obviously fixed expenses are things that don't change from month to month. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a business gets an advantage because your rent is the same every month. Your mm -hmm. electricity bill may be a little bit variable, but more or less, you know, it's it's fixed. Yeah. Uh, you're fixed um, buying equipment, all that stuff. So we want to categorize some of these. Again, look at the difference between fixed and operating costs. So uh, 
did you guys have any metrics any anything that you ran that you know or can we educate our listeners a little bit on the differences mm-hmm. and how to categorize these expenses yeah so you usually hear people say hey fixed costs are the ones you can't control right and variable costs are the ones that you can okay perfect great example it, it is a great example and i agree with that except for a small little caveat on the fixed expense side how did you get to those expenses to begin with because you can control it in the beginning right that's correct yep so it, it's some people always look at the fix and say oh well, i can't control that so i'm going to ignore it but it's always worth a second look especially if you've been open for a long period of time yep. and you've never renegotiated anything like a lease or even i used to have restaurant operators you know, go look at every single line item of the P&L and find something that is over a certain percentage of revenue and just see if there's ways to save. Sure. In a lot of cases, something as small as how many days a week trash is picked up could save you a certain amount of money. Oh, right? that's true. So think about it. Like if you're if you're in a center and or on your own or whatever it is and you have five pickups a week, right, because you used to be at a certain volume or that's just how you set it up. Mm-hmm. If you don't necessarily need that and they're there every single day picking up a bag of trash, what's the point? So it just, it's just finding the details of how to optimize those fixed expenses on the front end and or to go renegotiate and find ways to refix them to sure. get them in the best, most suitable places possible. From there, then, of course, about the variable costs, and that is where you spend a lot of your time honing in on the food cost and understanding what not only are you are you buying and purchases, but what are you what's the actual cost of goods that you're selling? That's right. And there's a big difference there. Absolutely. Yeah. And that goes back to knowing your numbers. Right. So looking at your profit and loss statement, your P&L statement, making sure that you know where the money is going, making sure how much money you are spending on what. And again, what can you control? What can you not control? Sure. sure. All right. Next, so we've touched base on that. The next thing is sales, because I think sales will cure all problems. Absolutely. So if you're you know, overspending a hundred percent you're spending twice as much for Mm -hmm. trash pickup Mm -hmm. but if you're making an extra 15 grand a year it doesn't matter right right? because the cost savings is not going to be justifiable on that Uh, i think running a business the first priority should be how do i get the maximum amount of foot traffic how do i get Mm -hmm. how do i maximize my profit and i think in a restaurant you've been part of some um i don't want to say low volume but like Mm -hmm. you know average unit volume that is less than a million you've been part of some that are over a million right. it seems like that million dollar mark is a big key key part because once you once you get it's difficult to get to a million but once right. you get to a million it's easier to keep growing mm-hmm. and also your profit margins will just go through the roof right. right so let's run through some of these numbers what are some of the averages that you've seen mm-hmm. obviously national restaurant association uh, did a survey and average restaurant is doing six hundred fifty nine thousand a year but yeah. you know at some concept that may be really good but if you're a sit-down restaurant that's like peanuts it just yeah. it doesn't yeah. it doesn't even pay for your and basic expenses. I think there's a lot of factors, right? One, are you an operator or are you a absentee owner mm-hmm. of this business, right? Because that's a different. Are you trying sure. to collect a, a salary? Are you trying to provide a living off of this or this, is this a side business? Um, but you, you, when you look at all the different various types, yes, when you usually hit that million dollar mark, that's usually when things all start to work out. Exactly. Now, can you get the average sandwich shop to do that? Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But it's understanding how all these other numbers, how, how do the numbers add up? Is it enough to sustain that business, even if you do only hit 600, 700,000? If you're trying to go after more, you're trying to find economies of scale and you know, lower your overall expenses, you have to raise revenue. Now you can do that by obviously putting all your effort into your business and trying to drive that number up. 
Or if it's a smaller business, you're trying to get to a million, maybe you're doing acquisition. Maybe you're buying up other smaller concepts, you're doing more franchise deals, you're finding more ways to drive that top line number to help you know, make up for some of that. It all depends upon that person's passion and what their operating status is, whether they're actively engaged or not, and how much they wanna collect from this business. And that goes back to the business plan, the pro formas, everything on the front end that should have been done so they knew what they were getting themselves into. That's correct, yeah. And it, I, I, my thing is, if you do the numbers and it doesn't make sense to start it, then yeah, don't, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think a lot of people fail to do the numbers, right. so they get into it, and now all of a sudden, they're mm -hmm. stuck at six hundred fifty-nine thousand a year. Right. And it's like, well, we have thin margins. Right. So right. Uh, a lot we've discussed this topic in very detail. If you haven't listened to our other podcast, absolutely go back and listen to it. It's uh, the subject line should be why restaurants don't have thin margins or. Yeah. Uh, get into the details of that and understand what we mean by by getting to that million dollar market. If I can go back just real quick on, sure. on the, let's just say food cost side of things. Another trend, just thinking about it, is there's a lot of franchisees, a lot of restaurant operators who just don't have the time or don't make the time to do inventory. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a common response that I hear. And that's scary to me. Like, like doing inventory is time consuming and today there's so many technologies and support systems that it's not that difficult but it sure. can be time consuming especially if you're taking a piece of paper and <laughs> going Just around the restaurant down, yeah. um, but this is this is where majority of your money is going right in a tangible way yes on average 30 percent of your revenue is going to go towards labor sure okay but that money is going directly to that person there's no way you can get it back there's no way you're going to optimize that that is what it is but when you're talking about 30% of your food costs, if that's your, your average, you have more control over that. And I always look at inventory as your other bank account. Whatever's in the walk-in cooler, mm -hmm. that's your bank account, that's right? Whatever's yeah. on dry storage, that's your <laughs> bank account. That's just your fund sitting out. Yeah. So are you over-purchasing or are you under-purchasing and affecting quality recipes and demand? Whichever it is, you don't know unless you're doing inventory. And a lot of times there are brands, and I, some are you know small, but some are very large who say, hey, we just look at purchases. Yeah, but purchases is one part of the equation. <laughs> so, you know, you can't just say, "Oh yeah, my food cost is good because I've only purchased X and I did X." It's more about the cost of goods sold. Sure. So, understanding, you know, obviously beginning inventory plus purchases minus ending inventory, you know, divided into your net, your net revenue. That's what the number you need to be looking at. But if you don't know the cost of goods sold, it does you no good. And yeah. you also don't know like if your recipes are being followed or any other details that make up that money. Yeah, I think people are just running away from those um, quote unquote burdens, right? Because it's it's time consuming. I don't want to do inventory, right? It's right, like, ah, right. just. Uh, it's the bulk of your restaurant. It looks okay. Yeah. But actually, I had an innovative uh, idea from one of our existing customers, and he said, look, we look at our food costs and everything, and then if, if the moment it crosses a threshold, then we'll mm. do inventory for eight weeks. Mm. And yeah. then we kind of back down a little bit. Right. And then until that number is back in line. So sure. like if you're not doing that, that may be a great way to start, right? right. Just right. monitor that and then when it figure out what your average should be or what it is. Sure. And then if you have a variance, then you start mm -hmm. doing inventory for eight weeks. Sure, sure. And then you scale back down to maybe once a month or something. Right. And right. something to at least do it. Yeah. And once you get it down under control, then it takes you no more than an yeah. hour or two to just get right. it done. Knock so. it out. And, and know your business model, right? Is 30% the right average? 
We, sure. we all use 30% in the restaurant industry so yeah. commonly, yeah. but I know plenty that do 25, 24, yeah. some 27. Like it, you can do less, but it's about your model. Some models have to do 35% because it's the level of quality that they desire. So sure. what is your specific restaurant brand? What does that cost based upon how you're pricing your menu items and diving into all the details of each recipe? And actually I had another conversation with here in this restaurant with another one of our customers and he was talking about dynamic pricing. Hmm. You know, if I have chicken left over and if I have barbecue left over, et cetera, yeah. can I dynamically price it so I can do a 25% discount after mm-hmm. 7 p.m. so I can get rid of it. That right. way it doesn't sit there or go to trash. Sure. So sure. I think there's there we are a lot in. of innovative ideas. And again, I think knowing your numbers, having that data available, and then making these actionable decisions, right? You know, actionable. Having that actionable data that tells you, hey, you should do that. Right. Or you know, I, I think back in 2014, we had a company that bought another. Like, back then there was no AI, so it was all right. BI, business sure. intelligence. Sure. So the the gentleman that was doing the demo said, oh yeah, look at this. I can go drill down on this, do that. Uh, look at my uh, revenue per hour. Look mm-hmm. at my labor per hour. Look at this. Look at that. Look at my utility expenses. Oh, by the way, after like 20 minutes, it's like, oh, we should close at 8 p.m. It's like, well, I mean, that should have been automated, right? And, sure. and today, those technology exists where it right. just does the math. And it's like, hey, Kendall, you should close at 8 p.m. And here's why. Because right. your labor is this much, your your sales are this much, your mm-hmm. operating expenses are this much. It makes no sense to stay open beyond 8 p.m. So right. Right. I think having the right tech stack inside of that mm-hmm. restaurant yeah. and making sure that it's actionable so you don't have to dig in and make your job harder to try to get to the bottom of it is going to be a key differentiator right, right. as well agreed uh, let's go down to the pnl statement so now we've got now we're actually where rubber hits the road so right. uh, we want to talk about top line revenue what is that gross profit net profit all of those different metrics. So run us through a PL statement. So you've dealt with two and a half billion dollar brand. So what's the top line revenue? So what what is that? Yeah, so your top line, of course, is just everything that you've rung up, right? Whatever you sold within your four walls, that's your top line revenue. That's your gross number. That's that that's what it is. Now, to get your net number, you're gonna minus your discounts and whatever other deals that you've worked out. Uh, but end of the day, if you're looking at PL, you have your top line, that is all the revenue that's coming in. And then if you skip all the way to the bottom line, the EBITDA number, that's the profitability you're well, walking Well, we don't away. want to get into EBITDA now, yet. We in, don't want yeah, to confuse in people. The middle, so. In the middle is, is obviously where all the magic happens. Of course. Right. So top line revenue could be your sales. It could be called revenue, income, yep. top line. Right. Uh, some people, you know, total sales. Uh, so that's typically your, uh, all of your, whatever revenue you bring in yep. minus your, you know, comps, voids, refunds, right, et cetera. Right. Okay. So like, gross profit. So now mm-hmm. we're going one line down on our PL statement. Right. What's right. our gross profit? What is that? And mean? the most simple way to put it, it's everything that you rung up minus what it costs you to make it. Okay, perfect. So take out my cost of goods sold, whatever I've sold it yep. for. So if I sold, I don't know, a dish for 15 bucks cost me five bucks, my mm-hmm. gross profit is 10 bucks. There you go. Okay. Yep. And then, um, going down to our net profit. So what is our net profit? What's the difference between our gross profit and net profit? So now you're taking out all the expenses that it took to operate or to deliver <clears throat> that menu item, so to speak. So what are my expenses? Like, So people, rent? people, rent, everything that goes into this building, right? Everything that goes into producing the element, all your other costs, your electricity, everything that you have to keep the lights on in this restaurant is now being deducted from that gross profit amount. Gotcha. And then that leads us to our net profit. So if you did a million bucks 
and then your cost of goods sold is 30%, that's 300,000, your gross profit is 700,000, and then let's say your, um, I don't know, we had some numbers previously in here, so then if you deduct all of your expenses, rent, utilities, labor, uh, food costs, all of that, you end up with your net margin of, let's say, $197,000. Okay, very good. Uh, what is the, so we wanna uh, end with uh, actionable note. Uh, if somebody's okay. not doing something or uh, what is the one thing that they could start doing today to make an impact? So, uh, uh, two things for me. <laughs> One is you have to understand what your why is in the first place. Why are you in business? What are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to replace the job's income that you currently have? Or is this just your livelihood? Is this what it's all about? Like, what is the plan for you? What's the why? What does it ultimately lead back to? What's driving you to want to even deal with the day-to-day -day of a restaurant business where sure. it's very complex compared to some businesses? What is that why? Make sure that why is very, very clear and that it aligns with the culture of your restaurant. Sure. The second thing I would just say is to dive into every line item of the P&L. Mm -hmm. We just covered some highlights, but a lot of times that's what people do is they look at top line and bottom line and okay, that's it. Everything in between is ignored. <laughs> right. As but, long as the bottom number hopefully is green, yeah, not red. Yeah. So as a best practice, you know, in percentages, they have to make up on their own, but you know, work backwards. If you're, if you're hitting only 10%, you know, profit margin today and you want to get to 20%, go find and highlight areas of your P&L where the percentage is higher than the rest. So if, you know, if you see something that jumps out at you, it's like, wow, that's, that, that line item is, you know, 40% in this category. Well, let's go dive into that. Sure. But dive into your P&L and find ways to impact it. That doesn't necessarily mean always cutting costs. That could be that could mean that you might actually need to increase some costs. So let's say it's labor. Sure. You might you might um, have you know high in food costs or high in waste because uh, you don't have enough people on or the right people on so it's just creating more mistakes but you can go invest a few more dollars and that could drive more revenue because yeah, now the quality is qualified stuff right yeah, so, so that way the dishes are not coming back right sense. so i don't say dive into pnl to just cut costs but dive into pnl to understand how your business actually operates and where you can impact an area to help generate more revenue and or of course put more to the bottom line absolutely um, so how often should they be looking at that PL? <laughs> well, monthly at a minimum. Uh, but yes, definitely monthly. And it, it can't be this. Oh, yeah, it comes out halfway through the following month. And I take a glance at it. It should be full blown PL reviews with whoever's responsible or working with you in that restaurant. You know, whoever your partners are, dive into that every single month. Uh, but of course, along the way, there should be certain touch points. Uh, outside of an official PL statement that you are getting a glimpse of or at least a snapshot of where your business is. Yeah, and we actually haven't talked about balance sheet as well. But once you get into these multi-location brands, you know, smaller locations, they can get away without having a balance sheet because it may not be as important, although it is important. But right, right. once you get into these multiple uh, multi-unit and you're trying to grow a brand, then you really want to also pay attention to your balance sheet. Right. And um, uh, give us a summary of what the balance sheet is as well. It's, it's your cash, essentially. It's understanding where your cash is. Okay, right, and where you. it's going, what, what's coming in. But, you know, I think that you can get more complex when you start talking about cash flow balance sheets and every other, you know, metric out there. But for the average restaurant operator, they need to master that P&L first. Yep. That P&L is what it's all about. Now, yes, you can have a good P&L and no cash. That's another conversation, probably a whole other podcast. Yep. Um, but understand that P&L first because that ultimately is the input that makes everything else, you know, good or bad. Absolutely. In, in, in simple terms.
Yeah, and, and just to kind of drill down a little bit. So when you get into your balance sheet, then it's all of your liabilities, it's all of your assets, and then right. obviously they, they add up to your equities, uh, all the money that has built up over time or shareholder distributions, all of that stuff. But yeah. again, you multi-brand operators uh, right. or even multi-unit franchisees have to know that. And right. yeah, to back to your point, some of these multi-unit franchisees also don't have a good grasp on P&L and balance sheet. And right. They're, right. they're running, you know, we have some customers that are operating 150 units right. uh, of a single brand. And then if you add their entire portfolio, they're at six, seven, 800 locations. So they're very large operators. Right. Uh, but um, I don't know if they're doing that stuff or not, but if they're not, then obviously that would be a huge, um, right. huge part of running a successful restaurant. And again, we've talked about it. Running running a business is, is very difficult, but right. getting into a restaurant, it's even more difficult because uh, e like food is so variable. Some mm -hmm. of these costs, you know, it's, it's so detailed that it's difficult to maybe sometimes track etc right, and right. then you got to make sure that it's spot on quality on on service and food and etc sure. but and, and you have to have targets and projections that you're working towards right or mm -hmm. your, your team knows you're trying to achieve uh, you can't just take whatever comes in the door right yeah well actually the best thing <laughs> i've heard is you know if a ship at harbor you can't just kind of turn the engine on and say go so if there is no plots, if there's no maps, right, you know, right. you get into, you know, you get into a plane yeah. before that plane even takes off. There is three hours of work that's done prior to that. Sure. They're, they're mapping out their route. They're doing, they're planning on how are we going to get from point A to point B. Yeah. So yeah. I think majority of business owners just simply don't do that because. Yeah. I don't know why, like it, it doesn't make sense. Like the first thing I yeah. do when I look at a new business is how do I plan? How, what, mm -hmm. what am I going to make, you know? Right. And then actually that's, that brings up a good point because then it makes things relative. Sure. So if I'm going after a million dollar business and you're asking me to invest half a million dollars, I'm mm -hmm. going to think three, four, five, ten times and I'll right. say no. Right. right. But if you're telling me to invest $5 million, but the upside is a billion dollar company, mm -hmm. then it's like, oh, five million bucks, it's nothing. Now, higher risk, right. higher reward. Right. I may lose my five million bucks versus the 500,000 that has less risk. Right. But, you know, like a lot of private equity, a lot of VCs, all those guys, that's what they're doing as well. They're looking at these unicorns where it has a massive mm -hmm. upside. But again, knowing your numbers. Right. And right. it makes things relative because then it's like, yeah. well, I can pay a little bit more for rent because. I can get to X. Right, right. right. And, and a lot of times, especially at the executive level, you're always talking about the big numbers, right? The top line. Okay, we got to do X amount more in millions or hundreds of thousands to achieve whatever the target is. But when it comes down to actually bringing it to life, you have to break that down into bite-sized chunks that help the average team member understand what that means to them. Right? Even the average restaurant operator. So if you're trying, let's say you're trying to get to a million and you're at $800,000 right now, that's your trend. Well, how do you gain that $200,000? What more do you have to sell, right? What smoothie or what menu item do you have to sell per day, heck, even per shift to get to that number in the course of a year? But if you can do that math and work backwards and go to your team and say, hey, right now the, the goal is to sell five more of this per day, per shift, that's gonna change the Funny game. You said that. It starts to work its way up. Yeah, yeah, we so we say, hey, increase sales by 150 grand a year. Okay. But yeah. some some of the people that we've talked to, it's how like, well, how? That? Yeah, like that's <laughs> not possible. But once you break it down, it's like, hey, it's 150 thousand dollars a year. That's a right. big number. But you break it down on a weekly basis, it's 2,884 dollars a yep. week. 
Yep. You break it down further to daily, it's $416 a day. Yeah. You break it down per, you've got four servers where it's a hundred bucks a server, right? right? Right. So you gotta get that and that server works you know, again, this goes to point point out that if you do the numbers, mm -hmm. it becomes easier to yeah. achieve yeah. because now you went from one hundred and fifty thousand to twenty eight eighty four right. a week to four hundred and sixteen dollars a day. Right. At four servers, it's a hundred dollars, sure. and that server works eight hour shift. Right. So now it's like I don't know twenty two, three, four bucks a an hour. Right. So right. now it's like, hey, if I sell an extra drink per hour or if I sell an extra appetizer, dessert, etc., it'll make up for, sure, for that. Sure. So again, going back to planning it, making sure that you understand the numbers right. will allow you to do these things mm -hmm. and will allow you to put set in motion yeah. uh, different ways of increasing getting to that, that right. top line right. revenue. And, and then and obviously that impacts your net, net profit anyway at the end of the day. Right, right. And, and I would always set goals higher than what we actually want to achieve. Of course, right? yeah. But I mean, I remember this when I was running a frozen treat brand, we wanted to introduce a new product and we had a certain sales target in mind and we communicated that publicly. But we started to think backwards, like how do we actually achieve it? Well, to achieve our goal or our actual baseline that we wanted, we needed to sell five of these items per day per location. Seemed pretty reasonable, reasonable right? Yeah. But to the system, to the, to the group, we said, hey, the goal is 10 per day. I right? see. We averaged seven. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. not only did we achieve our goal, we exceeded, exceeded it, it yeah. because it, it, again, it's, it's a it's, mental it's, barrier. It's psychology. Like when you hit it's, that, yeah. yeah. People are, are thriving to hit this number that you put in front of them. Yeah. And even if they come up short, you're still doing better than where you were. Absolutely. Right? You could play these brain games to sure. put yourself. That's why, you know, some, you know, obviously I follow some of these guys and they say, well, think 10 X bigger. Because if mm. you're only thinking one X, then you know, you're yeah. going to achieve half of it. But if you right. think 10 X bigger, then everything becomes easier to digest. Right. The money you're investing, the time you're putting in, everything kind of falls in perspective because you're like, this is mm -hmm. the goal. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to accomplish something that nobody else is trying to That's accomplish. Right. Here at Milagro, we've solved all of these complex problems of the loyalty and the integration and everything that we've discussed in this podcast. So if you're interested to learn more, contact us and schedule a demo.